welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean, pastor of Sacred City Church in Davenport, Iowa. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus and the normal rhythms of life. And one of the most important things for following Jesus is to understand who he is, what he's done, what he's called us to do, who, who we are, and we understand all those things in light of Scripture. And so that means one of the most important things for all of us is to have a good, accurate, working theology. And so we are taking a lot of time to work our way through a small, systematic theology called the Westminster Confession of Faith to help you get a better handle on your theology. We're gonna, we've been going through this for the past few months. You can go back and listen to the podcast. I actually would really encourage you to because each uh, podcast kind of builds on the other. And these are all key doctrines in understanding our faith. They can help you see Jesus and see God the Father and the Holy Spirit in a um, more accurate sense. It can spur you on to worship and devotion. If you're a parent, it can give you ammunition uh, to teach at dinner time, to teach at bedtime. It can uh, give you a new vernacular, some new words to use to describe God and his workings, and to see. it gives you new eyes to see the, his fingerprints in the world. And so um, this is a really important piece of the podcast that I'm hoping literally every single member at Sacred City Church would take the time week in and week out to listen to, um, to stir their affections for God and to become better theologians. So that's my introduction today. Um, we are jumping right into chapter five, article one, and chapter five is, is called Of Providence. And Providence what do you get when you guys hear of providence? Do you guys use the word providence? Is that a word that you guys and I've got two of my residences with resident pastoral residences with me today? I've got Bryson and I've got Kevin and Joel is jumping on, filling in for Alex Tate. So, um, <clears throat> when you guys hear the word providence, what do you think? Matter hear the word provide, mm. and so I think of God as how he provides, what he provides, um, and the manner, you know, the manner in which he does that. Um, I actually feel like it is a word that I use a lot, but maybe um, sometimes it, you know, it's kind of paired with his sovereignty and his providence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I almost think of uh, resources. Um, whether that be, you know, health or financial resources. Um, yeah, I guess that's what I, I tend to think through the lens of being providential in resources. Mm. Yeah, and I tend to go, um, I, I think I think of almost a providence. So I think being providentially hindered, so God being over all things, um, so including resources. So I, I think I tend to make it kind of an offshoot of sovereignty, not an offshoot, but a, a parallel to sovereignty, like Joel was saying. <clears throat> is it a word you guys hear in different places other than the church? <clears throat> not really. No. Other than if you're thinking of like Providence, Rhode Island or something? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Um, 
<clears throat> it's a word that's not used very much anymore. And um, I think it's mainly because of the scientific secular worldview mm. becoming more predominant in our society that we see the world as <clears throat> just a set of, um, you know, what's it called? What's the, how, how everything moves you know, there's for every cause, right? There's uh, so you have cause and effect, right? Yeah. And, and so <clears throat> the reason you make those choices is your biology or your upbringing, or the reason this happened is because person did that or science says this, or the, mm-hmm. the, the weather did this and everything is, everything is on its own. Creation does what creation does. Mm. And there is no real governor over all things. Yeah. And so I think pro- the word providence should be one of the favorite words of a, a Christian. Mm-hmm. One, a word that governs their faith, governs their life, governs their affections, governs their emotions. Providence is an extremely important doctrine that we need to talk about. And you've already mentioned a couple things. So you hear the word providence... <clears throat> There's really two, two. if you break that down, um, the etymology of that word, you're going to hear two things. You're going to hear provide, which you've already mentioned, and you're going to hear provision. So pro, before, vision, or, you know, I, so you could see beforehand and you can provide before it's needed. So mm. the idea is that the sovereign God of the universe, so sovereign is what God is, Provision is kind of what he does. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or, yeah, that's all. His providence is, is what he does. So his he can see beforehand. He knows. So let me just say it like this. He knows before we know what we need, and he provides what we need. Okay? And not just us, but <laughs> as we'll see, even the sparrows, right? Mm-hmm. Even even yeah. the bugs, everything. Yeah. He is providential overall. He is giving everything um, what it needs. And that's the, that's the doctrine. Now, I say that because uh, I was reading R.C. Sproul, and he was talking about during, I think it was the Civil War, the letters that the soldiers were writing home to their family. They were saying things like, Providence has brought me to this point, mm-hmm. and we don't know what's going to happen in the battle tomorrow. But whatever Providence decides, that's what's going to happen. And so I and if if I don't make it home, I trust Providence to take care of you. And to and it Providence was used almost as um another it was used as like another word for God. Like it was mm-hmm. and we get that because if you remember when Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac and God provided the the yeah. sheep, right, or the lamb, or whatever it was, it was cut, caught in the thickets. Mm. They said, "This is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides." Mm. So, that's that was his providence that Isaac was like, "Yes, thank you for that." <laughs> right, <laughs> providentially uh, supplied that. So, so you know, f- hundreds of years ago, the providence of God was uh, a daily reality in people's lives. They trusted Providence to provide the rain for the crops. They trusted Providence to govern their house. They trusted Providence to get them home out of battle. And if they died, they trusted Providence to take care of their loved mm. ones. You know? I'm thinking as you're talking, I think maybe some of the language, if, if people aren't familiar with that in our church, something that they might be familiar with is we talk about evidences of God's grace. 
you could really say that those are evidences of his providence in mm. our life. Um, yes. Just another way to say it. <clears throat> Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, chapter 5, article 1 of Providence. <clears throat> Let's read it. God, the great creator of all things, doth uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures, actions, and things from the greatest even to the least by his most wise and holy providence. According to his infallible foreknowledge and the free and immutable counsel of his own will to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, goodness, and mercy. Mm-hmm. So right, right away, we should see, see in this definition the reason why our modern society doesn't speak of providence. And I would say also, this is the reason why anxiety, fear, depression is higher than it's ever been. Mm. Yeah. Because our secular society says we are not created. We are just a result. We are causing cause and effect, right? We're a result of a bunch of cause and effect and atoms and all this kind of stuff bumping around and boom, here we are. And so we have no trust and no hope in the future. We don't know if anything's going to take care of us in the future. I'll just say right away, I just watched um, a movie. I think it's called The Midnight Sky. Mm -hmm. It's on Netflix. George Clooney is in it. George Clooney produced it or executive director or something like that. I recommend everyone watch it. One, it's a pretty good movie. It's a little slow, but it's pretty good. But if you want to see why people are so afraid and so depressed and have so much anxiety, you just need to watch this movie. And I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but ultimately the movie is about, you know, a scientist who is trying to save the world, save the planet, and he fails to do it. And they, so they've got to send astronauts into outer space to, to try to find, you know, Elon Musk's great hope. Uh, let's, let's populate Mars or whatever. Let's find another planet where we can live because human beings have ruined this one. Yeah. And it ends in a pretty bleak, actually it ends in a very bleak spot. Mm-hmm. And that is the predominant worldview of most Americans today. That we have, you know, we're, we are, we're, we're not governed by providence. God is not watching over us. God is not going to meet our needs. We are destroying our planet. Once our planet's done, we're done. And, and this is what, like, you know, our educational um, system is teaching us. Mm-hmm. This is what our political systems are teaching us. This is what our movies are teaching us. And then they have the audacity to go out. Yeah, but go out and go have a good life. Yeah. If we're going nowhere, if we're all if we can't stop the pollution and all the stuff going on, on our planet, and we're headed for the great ice age, and we're all going to die, what? How can I go out and just have a good life? Yeah, yeah, right. So, Christians don't believe that. Christians, we've already talked about. We do care for creation, and we 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 uh, want to be good stewards of the earth, mm. but we also believe in the coming of the new heavens and the new earth. Mm-hmm. And we believe that God is providence, provident, providence governs it all. He's mm-hmm. over it all. 
And he gives us exactly what we need now, and he'll give us exactly what we need then. So let's go ahead, keep reading it. Let's go, and then we'll break it down in some scripture. God, the great creator of all things, boom, right away, acknowledging the creator, right? Mm-hmm. He doth uphold. Let's, let's show a scripture there. Yeah. Hebrews 1.3. Hebrews 1.3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Man, Jesus Christ holds together, upholds the whole universe. I like that too because we talked about, you know, a few weeks ago, or at the beginning, talked about creation, how creation was is created by the powerful words of Jesus, but it's not as if he just created it and let it go. Now he's actually upholding it by the word of his power as well. That's right. That's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and it also shows us the goal of all creation. Mm, yeah. Like Jesus is the point mm. of everything. Yeah. He's the reason anything exists. He's the goal of history. He's the goal of the, he's where we're headed in the future, Mm -hmm. his kingdom. And so, and he's upholding all things by the word of his power right now. So Jesus is in, we say around here, Jesus is in the control room of the universe and he's holding all things together by his own word. So nothing can slip by his watchful gaze. Also, so he doth uphold, direct, dispose and govern all creatures, actions, and things from the greatest even to the least by his most wise and holy providence. What scriptures do we have there? Daniel? Yeah, it's going to be Daniel chapter 4 and verses 34 and 35. Uh, At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and as he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? God governs the kingdoms of men and he gives them to whomever he wishes. The heart of the king is like a stream in the hand of God. God controls it. He can bend it wherever he wishes. So God upholds all governments, all kingdoms, and he raises one up and he pulls one down. He's in control of that. We got another scripture? Psalm 135, 6. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. In heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the deeps. I think we had that in our liturgy this week or something, yeah, like, something yeah. along that in our liturgy Recently, this week. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I love it, man. This is, what, this is what it means to be sovereign. Whatever he wants to do, he does. Mm-hmm. Nothing can thwart his power. Mm-hmm. Nothing can thwart his plan. Do we have another scripture for that? Yeah, Acts 17, 25 through 28. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, 
since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. So God, the great creator of all things, doesn't just create it like a watchmaker creates a watch and then leaves it and that thing just keeps ticking and working on its own. God creates the world in such a way that he's still connected to it. Mm, He's still united to it. He's still upholding it. He's still present within it. Though he's over it all, he's present, present within it. And he is intimately connected to creation in such a way that he upholds, directs, disposes, and governs all creatures, actions, and things from the greatest even to the least. Now, all means all. That means God governs, directs, disposes viruses. God governed, directs, disposes cells, winds, energies, powers, galaxies, stars, babies, sperm. (laughs) He's governing the whole thing. He's in charge of all of it. He's not just like dealing with the big things, like, you know, who's going to be president and who's going to do this. But everything is an act of his providence. Every storm, every derecho, every hurricane, it's an act of his providence. And he does this by his most wise and holy providence according to his infallible foreknowledge. We got a tech, we got one on that. Is that the Matthew one? Matthew no, it should be Acts 15 8 or Psalm. Did we do one that one or no? Uh, Psalm 94 8. I think that was one of yours, Joel. Sorry, I had the wrong one. That's all right. I'm rusty here from the. <laughs> 94, 8. Well, when it talks about being greatest at least, we're going to talk about that this week in, yeah. in Matthew, that he's in charge of the sparrows, and he knows every hair that's on our head. That's all an act of his providence. Just 8? 94, 8? 8, 9, through 11. Oh, there you go. 8 through 11. It says, Understand, O dullest of people, fools, when will you be wise? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who disciplines the nations... Does he not rebuke? He who teaches man knowledge, the Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are but a breath. Mm. So there we see that God God knows everything. Um, God sees everything. God hears everything. God has infallible foreknowledge. So not just currently, Mm -hmm. but he exists outside of time. And so he knows exactly what you're going to do tomorrow, what you're going to say tomorrow, think tomorrow, feel tomorrow. And a hundred years from now, the people that are on the planet, same thing. So God has, he has infallible foreknowledge. Mm -hmm. Infallible can never be wrong. And the free and immutable counsel of his own will free and immutable. We've already said that he does exactly what he wants to do. 
Nothing can stay his hand. Nothing can thwart his promise. Um, we remember in the book of Acts when it says by his, um, his, you know, his plan, his foreordained plan that could not be stopped. He yeah. predestined that Jesus Christ would be crucified. Nothing could stop the will of God. And all of this, the providence of God, is meant to bring glory to God himself. So it says, to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, goodness, and mercy. Mm. Got some text on that? Yeah, Romans. Romans. Uh, Romans 9, verse 17. Uh, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So, Pharaoh called himself a god. And God allowed Pharaoh to call himself a god. And Pharaoh hardened his heart, and God hardened his heart. And God put Pharaoh on the stage to display who really was God. And God, through all of the miracles and all of the plagues, and ultimately the thrashing of Pharaoh and, and, and Egypt's army, the mightiest army in, on the planet at the time, God displayed his own power, that there is no one like God. Pharaoh called himself the Almighty, and God proved through his dismay that he is not the Almighty. God himself is the Almighty. <laughs> Do we have another one or not? Or yep. just one? Isaiah 63, 14. Like livestock that go down into the valley, the Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. So you led your people to make for yourself a glorious name. So here we see in God's providence, the way he provided for his people, bringing them through, out of the house of Egypt, into the, the, the land of promise, through all of the difficulties, he showed his goodness. He showed his graciousness. As they rebelled, as they grumbled and complained in the wilderness, and he met their needs. Remember when they needed water, and they provided water out of the rock, and mm -hmm. he need, they needed leaders, he provided them leadership. They needed atonement, he provided atonement. They needed the law, he provided them law. They needed a place, he provided them a place and a home. He gave, and he gave, and he gave, and he gave, and he gave. And people still rebelled. And mm -hmm. ultimately, we see this in how, G how God gave us Jesus, right? That's the ultimate work of providence. Mm, yes. Because yeah. it's, it's met our greatest need. Our greatest need was to be made right with God mm. and to be restored to a right relationship with God, with ourself, with fellow man, and with creation. And that could only be done through atonement, right? Substitutionary atonement. Jesus taking our place and living the life that we should live and dying the death that we deserve. And God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit providing everything we need for life and godliness. Yeah. Right? Again, shows his wisdom, shows his power, shows his justice. Shows his goodness, shows his mercy. Hmm. Any other scriptures? Was that it? Yeah, just on that wisdom piece, Ephesians three ten says, "So that through the through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known, 
to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Yeah. So, Jesus is the goal of all of creation. Jesus is the point of everything. Jesus is the one holding it together. And so, the church has that message. That's what we say. We say, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is the reason for your existence. Jesus is the one that you can trust with your future. Jesus has already made provision for you in your salvation, and that salvation goes from eternity past to eternity future. So from election in the mind of God to glorification in the new heavens and new earth. Mm. And that's what we declare. We Mm -hmm. declare Jesus Christ is the reason for everything. Um, It's not to get rich. It's not to be wealthy. It's not to have a great life now. It's not to have fun hobbies and and just enjoy this earth while we can. Um, The reason for everything existing is Jesus Christ. Mm. And that's that's what the church declares. That's the message that, that the church has. And that message should give us great peace. Yeah. That our Savior is in the control room of the universe and he will give us everything we need when we need it. Yeah. And that's the work of providence. Yeah. Yeah, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking... If he he provides all things, disposes all things, that also means that he gives to us things that, in his providence, that maybe we wouldn't have wanted for Mm ourselves: suffering, persecution, affliction, sickness, things that in the moment... And maybe until we reach eternity, you're kind of like, what? what is this meant to produce other than an internal weight of glory? You know, just thinking about, we can think of the positive, quote unquote, positive sides of, of providence, but even in when he sends affliction and he brings other things in our life that are that to our eyes and our finite view are less than positive, we can still trust that he's good, especially considering verses like, um, he works all things together for the good of those who love him and call the cord to his purposes. That's his providence. Yeah. No matter what that thing is. Yeah. And that's his providence is John Piper talks about his severe mercies. Mm, Okay. You know, and when Matthew says that not one sparrow can fall from the sky without your father knowing it, right? He's showing the severe providence of God. First off, God sees everything. That's the provision, right? Mm. And he provides for sparrows. He provides for them until the point of their death. Mm. But the reality is they still fall from the sky. Yeah. (laughs) So you don't see... You don't see nervous birds, right? You don't see anxious birds. You don't see anxious animals, period. And and then they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> but that's well, all working out the providence of God. And so God providentially allows things into our life for our discipline, for our um to teach us wisdom, to teach us 
things that we can't learn any other way except mm-hmm. by going to the, through these things. And ultimately, even our death is a work of, of providence, mm-hmm. right? And, and we, we know that death is not in, um, you know, death, death is a result of the fall, yeah. right? So death is not, um, wasn't in God's quote-unquote original design, right? That, it was a repercussion from our, for our own sin, um, but ev- yeah, even these bad things are um, are a work of God's providence, and we can trust Him in the midst of it. Yeah. Now, I think one of the Jesus says, "Don't worry about tom- don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will, will worry about itself. Basically, or tomorrow's troubles are going to be enough. Today's troubles are enough for today, and tomorrow's troubles are going to be enough for tom- tomorrow." Mm. And I, my wife, she's nine months pregnant. And she's got a few weeks to go. And she, you know, like every, ever, probably every woman does, um, she starts thinking about giving birth again. This mm-hmm. is baby number five for us. And starts getting anxious, starts getting nervous. And I just, ha- I just, I just have to remind her, babe, like, I, let's not even, let's not even go there. Let's not even think about that right now because you're wanting the mercies you need three weeks from now, Mm. right now. Yeah. And God doesn't give us tomorrow's mercies today. He gives us today's mercies. So right now you have enough faith to get through this day Mm. of being pregnant. Once you, once we get to that hospital and once we start going through that, he will give you what you need. He will provide every year. He had every time we've had a baby, he's met your need in that moment. But thinking about it right now, you don't, you know, yeah. it's, it's going to create anxiety and fear and doubt and worry yeah. and stress mm-hmm. and take away your, your joy. Yeah. Cause if she could mastermind the future and just in the moment will herself, I'm going to do this, what, whatever the thing is, that would almost be to the praise of her glory. But if she can be weak and be nervous <laughs> and, 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 and then on that day when God provides the strength, provides the health and whatever he brings, that'll be to the praise of his glory mm-hmm. and not Amanda's. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So where, where's the line of planning and preparing well and I don't want to say an overconfidence in provision, but almost like this doctrine causes slothfulness or... Well, again... Only an incorrect view of providence could cause that. And again, we don't ever want to take one... To, you can never isolate one doctrine from all the other doctrines. Good, yeah. That's why it's a systematic theology. It works together as a system. Mm-hmm. If you take the tires off your car, it doesn't matter what kind of engine you've got in your car. <laughs> yeah. Right? So yeah. the, it doesn't work when you pull it apart. So we have scriptures that say the man who does not work shall not eat. Mm -hmm. The man who doesn't provide for his household is worse than an unbeliever. And God meets our needs a lot of the times through, I mean, think about the means. He has provided us with a body. He's provided us with everything we need to, to get out and get into work. He's put us in a society. He's put us here. He's put us, you know, he's given us the gifts and the talents and the intellect that we have. 
and he gives us those things to go out and be fruitful and multiply, right? And as we obey him in that, he meets our needs through employers, through neighbors, through relationships, through those things. He very rarely, I've never had a direct deposit from heaven into my bank account. Yeah. I'm waiting for it. It would be nice. Um, but I've never had, you know, the bank called me and I just got a 10 grand deposit from God. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well, thanks, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be really nice. Yeah. You've just not been sowing those seeds of faith enough. Yeah. yeah. I, I know. I grew up, I had, I had a, you know, when I came to faith, I had a good decade of my life where I believed in that prosperity gospel. So, um, but God does meet our needs through people and through church members and through business and through working hard and through all these things. So, um, yeah, he provides the ends and he provides the means. And most often than not, the means is hard work, self-control, diligence, delayed gratification, not buying, not spending it all today and, and storing some up so I can be provided for in the future. But also, I know that rust decays, death destroys, hurricanes wipe out, and so markets crash. Mm-hmm. And so I, I can't control any of those things. He can, he's in control. Yeah. Right? And so the doctrine of providence is ultimately meant to give me peace, the confidence, and just a, really that steady anchor of the soul that come hell or high water, God will give me exactly what I need, exactly when I need it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even, like I said, to death, I know there was, uh, I can't remember if it was John Huss or John, um, John Huss, and then who was the one that, uh, Tyndale? Yeah, Tyndale. And I can't remember if, if it was these two or not, but they were in prison getting ready to be burned at the stake for preaching the gospel, um, printing the Bible. And, and they're one of them or one of the, if it wasn't these two, I can't remember who it is. Cause I'm literally pulling this out of deep recesses of my mind from, but, um, one guy was freaking out in prison, knowing the, the flames were, they were going to pin him down and set him on fire. And he was freaking out. And the guy said, don't, you know, like basically what I've already said, you, you don't have the mercy right now that you're going to need. When they, when they tie you down, you're going to have the mercy. Trust the mercy. Yeah. And they're going to set a flame that all of England yeah. is going to hear. And yeah. basically what happened was that started a, a big, really part of the Reformation, is, mm-hmm. you know, that they went down singing hymns when they lit the flames. Yeah. Well, I think it was Jesus uh, and trying to encourage the disciples, I want to say it was post-resurrection and tell, or maybe it wasn't, maybe it was pre his death. But he, anyway, he was ex- explaining to them how they would be put before religious leaders mm. and not to fear what they were going to say because the Holy Spirit would give them the mm. words in the moment, you know, and not, don't be bringing your hands and about these situations he was going to provide. Uh, I even, I mean, I just love that, uh, that to, to what you're saying. Uh, were we just talking about Isaac? Were we just talking about that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you see, it's get up and obey. 
which is a you know a principle we need to obey what God says. But he providentially, even in the life of this ram that's stuck in the in the thicket, I can picture that in my mind as like it's almost like a funny picture I have of like God just beaming down a ram. It's like boop, there you go. It's kind of like that. But you see the act of obedience, and the whole time he's like, nope, God's going to provide. God will provide the sacrifice. But he's still doing um, the work. And that brings me to a good a point that I've been meditating on. There's a big difference between believing in Jesus and believing Jesus. Hmm. Preach. Let's go, man. So That's good. there's many people that say they believe in Jesus. Yeah. Oh, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Quite frankly, I don't really care if you believe in Jesus. I don't think anybody cares. I don't think Jesus cares if you believe in Jesus. He is a historical person. Mm -hmm. You can believe in him or not believe in him. Mm -hmm. The question is, do you believe Jesus? Mm -hmm. Do you trust Jesus right now? Mm -hmm. When you're anxious, you are not believing Jesus Mm -hmm. right now. That's hard to hear, but that's the reality. You might believe in him, but you're not believing him. You're not believing at the core of your heart that he governs all things and he is in control of all things. Is it hard to believe when you get the cancer diagnosis that he's in control? Absolutely it is. Or something terrible happens to your children? Yes, it is, it's very difficult. It is. But that's the, the, the core question is still, do you believe Jesus. And the the core question or the core temptation is the core temptation of sin is to believe something other than Jesus. So, I don't believe Jesus will give me what I need, so I need to go out there and make it happen. Yeah. I don't believe Jesus will bring the, perf- the the right man or the right girl into my life, and so I'm going to date unbelievers. Mm. I don't believe that Jesus will give me what I need. So I'm going to move in with my boyfriend and move in with my girlfriend. And I'm going to do relationships the world's way and not God's way. I don't believe that God can meet my needs. Maybe even in singleness. And so like maybe, maybe God has called that a person to the single life, but they believe that they can't be whole. They can't be full and they, by being single. Well, Jesus was single, yeah. right? And so they, they could sin in many different ways, you know? Mm-hmm. Really, really, when you get down to sin at its core, it is trusting in something other than Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah. And this doctrine of providence is something I think we need to ponder, we need to meditate on, we need to worship God for, we teach it to our children. Um, yeah, and I think it might be one of the, it should be one of the biggest, when everybody's wringing their hands and freaking out over elections and freaking out over everything, the Christians should be the ones saying, it's all under the providence of God. I ain't worried. Yeah. I ain't worried. Yeah. Just real quick, can you clarify what you mean by the distinction between believing Jesus and believing in Jesus? Mm-hmm. So believing in Jesus, believing in him is a historical, like you can historically search that out, right? You can academically come to the conclusion Jesus was a real human being and Jesus lived 
2,000 something years ago. Jesus said some things, wrote down some things, taught some things, had some disciples, was crucified. This is all historical fact, you know, mm-hmm. justified by outside biblical evidence, not just the Bible. Yeah. And, um, and so it doesn't take, it only takes, you know, some historical um, study to t- come to the conclusion Jesus was a real person and he's, he taught some things and he said he was going to die and he did and then he said he was going to rise again and a lot of people thought that he did, okay? Like his disciples thought that he did, right? That is all, you can come to that conclusion and just believe in Jesus or even take it one step further. He was the son of God. He rose from the dead to cleanse us of our sin and bring us right back to God. Okay, yeah, I believe in that. It's the altar call. We're all born in sin. Yep. Okay. I think I'm a sinner. Yep. Okay. I see that. Mm-hmm. He lived a perfect life. Okay. I can see that. He died for me. Oh, okay. I accept that. He gives me salvation. Okay, cool. I accept that. I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus did that for me. Mm-hmm. The problem is that is not disconnected. Like we said before, it's a system that's not disconnected from all the things Jesus taught about mm-hmm. sexuality, anger, all just right living period. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we have today, we have people that say things like, I am a Christian, but I, I don't think it's a big deal to live with my boyfriend. I don't think it's a big deal to have sex before marriage. I they have disconnected believing in Jesus from believing Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. That, yeah. and, yes. and that's in that simple in that simple framework. And I think, or like we talked about God and money. Oh, yes, I believe in Jesus. But then Jesus says, you can't serve God and money. And Christians say, watch me. Yeah. Right? And so we, we, ser- we believe we do, we can serve God and money. Mm. Tr- like basically saying Jesus is a liar. Yeah. When in reality, we're the liar. Mm. Yeah. If you think you can serve God and money, then you're more than likely serving money and you're going to find out, you're going to be really surprised at the great judgment of God, the throne of God. So the question of discipleship is, do you believe Jesus Hmm. right now? And I just think like somebody who has homosexual tendencies, um, the question is first and foremost, do you believe in Jesus? Yes, hopefully. But then the second question is, do you believe Jesus? Do you believe Jesus that you are more than your sexuality? That your sexuality could be a result of the fall, could be a result of the brokenness of the world, and you can still have a full and fulfilled life, maybe of singleness, if the Lord doesn't take that away from you. Can you trust Jesus now to live his way, even though it's contrary to what your sexuality says about you, your sexual preferences say about you? Mm. That's the question. Can you believe Jesus? Right? Same thing. I mean, it's just, it's that, it's that, it's really that simple when you're talking about wanting to lash out at somebody who's talked bad about you. Can you leave it to the providence of God? Mm. Can you leave it to the judgment of God? Can you believe Jesus that he will take care of it right now? When it comes to our children, I think there's two, there's two errors when it comes to raising children, big errors. One, negligence. 
you just treat your kids like they're miniature adults and just let them make all their own decisions and do what they want to do, and they grow up to be little tyrants, okay? Or you are hyper-vigilant and you try to control every aspect of their life, and you are not trusting the providence of God. Hmm. You are trying to control to get a certain outcome. Right? Mm-hmm. So in that moment, you are not believing Jesus. Mm-hmm. You're not believing Jesus that he is the one who saves, he's the one who sanctifies, he is the one that does the work. Um, you're believing, no, it's all up, ultimately up to me. Yeah. So that, that's what I would say is the difference between believing in Jesus and believing Jesus. And that's, that's why so many people can say they're Christians and yet live unchristianly. Yeah. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be a part of a community. I don't need to live differently from the world. My sexuality, my, the way that I use my money, the way that I use my home, my ambition for life, all of it is just worldly, but I believe in Jesus. Yeah. And you know what Jesus would say? Even the devil believes in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Even demons mm-hmm. believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Does not mean they're saved. They believe in him and they shudder, mm. but they do not believe Jesus. They do not trust Jesus. Yeah. So that's the big difference in, in my mind. So the providence of God, we'll be talking about more, more of this in the future. If you've got any questions, comments, please email me at justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. We love you guys. We're praying for you. We hope this is helpful to you. God bless. God bless.